We deserve it.
time on my radio call-in shows. Had my father been driving, we would have locked all the doors and ignored the stop signs, speeding through the area as quickly as possible because that's what smart people did. Pulled over and parked behind a van whose owner stood examining his flattened tire with a flashlight. Things might get a little rough up there, so just do what I tell you and hopefully no one will get hurt. She flipped her hair over her shoulder and stepped out of the car, kicking aside the cans and bottles that lined the curb. My sister meant business, whatever it was, and in that instant she appeared beautiful and exotic and dangerously stupid. Local teens slain for sport, the headlines would read. Holiday hijinks end in homicide. Maybe someone should wait with the car, I whispered, but she was beyond reason, charging up the street in her sensible shoes with a rugged, determined gait. There was no fumbling for a street address or doorbell. Lisa seemed to know exactly where she was going. I followed her into a dark vestibule and up a flight of stairs, where without even bothering to knock, she threw open an unlocked door and stormed into a filthy, overheated room that smelled of stale smoke, sour milk, and seriously dirty laundry. Three odors that, once combined, can peel the paint off of walls. This was a place where bad things happened to people who clearly deserved nothing but the worst. The stained carpet was littered with cigarette butts, and clotted, dust-covered flypaper hung from the ceiling like beaded curtains. In the far corner of the room, a man stood beside an overturned coffee table, illuminated by a shadeless lamp that broadcast his shadow, huge and menacing, against the grimy wall. He was dressed casually in briefs and a soiled T-shirt, and had thin, hairless legs, the color and pebbled texture of a store-bought chicken. We had obviously interrupted some rite of unhappiness, something that involved shouting obscenities while pounding upon a locked door with a white-tasseled loafer. The activity consumed him so completely that it took the man a few moments to register our presence. Squinting in our direction, he dropped the shoe and steadied himself against the mantel.
at you another. Hearing a fresh, slurred voice in the house, my brother and sisters rushed from their rooms and gathered to examine Lisa's friend, who clearly cherished the attention. Angels! You're a pack of goddamn angels! She was surrounded by admirers, and her eyes brightened with each question or comment. Which do you like better, my sister Amy asked. Spending the night with strange guys or working in a cafeteria? What were the prison guards really like? Do you ever carry a weapon? How much do you charge if somebody just wants a spanking? One at a time, one at a time, my mother said. Give her a second to answer.
This something's fucked up with this turntable. He has not bought any gifts for his friends and relatives. He decides to go to Jeffrey's, the large department store downtown. Can I help you, sir? Yes, I'm looking for something in person. Any particular fragrance? Uh, I thought you might be suggesting Well, there certainly is a large variety to choose from. I can see that. where the store Santa Claus holds court. Probably some kid didn't get what he wanted and is registering a complaint. Hey, stop that man! He stole my Christmas present! Hey, you! Stop! Watch it, mister. 
Sorry, pal, I'm in a hurry. I understand. Christmas rush. Yeah, well, I gotta run. Hey, mister, give me my Christmas present. Go away. Give it to me. Come on, kid, go away. What seems to be the problem? He stole my Christmas present. The one that Santa Claus gave me. Look, pal, she's my daughter. I wanted to surprise her. Now she's gonna rule the whole thing. He's not my father. Give me my present. I think you better give it to her. Get out of my way. Put that gun away. Someone could get hurt. Not if you leave me alone. Now stand aside. I'm walking out of here. Oh, you're not. At the Office of Scientific Intelligence, Colonel Steve Austin is in the security conference with his boss, Oscar Goldman. Good thing you called me in on this, Steve. When I grabbed that guy, he dropped the package and it broke open. I could see the thing inside was no ordinary Christmas present. That's why I picked it up and got it to you. Steve, you seem to have a talent for finding trouble. But in this case, you may have stumbled on a major espionage ring. An espionage ring? Steve, the man you fought with in the department store is Harrison Fredericks. For a long while, he's been known to be a free agent in the espionage market, selling his services to the highest bidder. But what is even more interesting to us is what he was carrying in that package. What was it? It was an electronic fuel cell for our latest attack missile, the SYR-9. The SYR-9? I thought that was out in California. Landing on the Arctic terrain, Steve and Oscar were accosted by the enemy agent Ramat at gunpoint, captured and locked up in an old warehouse. Is the wound serious, Oscar? I don't think so, Steve. Looks like a scratch. Where are we? It's a warehouse. Where are we?
expect to resume normal broadcasting shortly. you could make it. No problem, Oscar. I'm staying in town for the holidays. Steve, the Air Defense Command in Colorado Springs picked up an unusual radio message the other day on a restricted frequency. No identification codes? That's part of the problem. All messages received over the defense network are preceded by an identification code, and they are followed by a second IDENT code before signing off. And this communication has no code on either side. They can't even decode the message. What are we going to do? It defies analysis, Steve. As a matter of fact, nothing on record as language or numeric code is anything like it. I've called in Dr. Landis. Ethel Landis? She's the top expert in the field of coded communication. And she has a lot of kooky ideas, Oscar. I know, Steve, but we can't afford to overlook any possibilities.
thousand watts in a big acoustic tower. Security's so tight tonight. Oh, they're ready for a tussle. Gotta keep your backstage passes. Cause you promote a high the muscle. And so it goes, and so it goes, and so it goes, and so it goes. Oh, it's going, no one knows. And so it goes, and so it goes, and so it goes, and so it goes. Oh, it's going, no one knows. In the top village, at the head of all nations, worthy men from Spain and Siam. All day discussions with the Russians, but they still went ahead and beat all the plan. Now up jumped the U.S. representative. He's the one with a
affections, and they've made a very nice living for me, and it seems to have worked. Did you ever feel that this time the horror stories jinxed you, that something that you feared and had written about was coming true? No, it never even crossed my mind. Um, it's strange because off and on uh, in my career as a writer, I have certainly written. This is Fresh Air. I'm Terry Gross. My guest Stephen King was nearly killed in June of 1999 while taking his daily walk. He was walking along the gravel shoulder of Route 5, a two-lane highway near his home in Maine, when he was struck by a van driven by Brian Smith, who had several prior convictions for speeding and reckless driving. Over a year later, Smith was found dead in his home. King is still recovering from his injuries, which included nine breaks in his right leg, his right knee split almost directly down the middle, a fracture of his right hip, four broken ribs, and a scalp laceration that required nearly 30 stitches. His spine was chipped in eight places. Yet, fairly early in his recovery, he returned to writing. I spoke with Stephen King in 2000, after the publication of his book, On Writing, which is part memoir, part reflection on his craft. The last chapter is about the accident. We started with a reading. Most of the sight lines along the mile of Route 5, which I walk, are good. But there is one stretch, a short, steep hill, where a pedestrian walking north can see very little of what might be coming his way. I was three-quarters of the way up this hill when Brian Smith, the owner and operator of the Dodge van, came over the crest. He wasn't on the road. He was on the shoulder. My shoulder. I had perhaps three-quarters of a second to register this. It was just time enough to think, my God, I'm going to be hit by a school bus. I started to turn to my left. There is a break in my memory here. On the other side of it, I'm on the ground, looking at the back of the van, which is now pulled off the road and tilted to one side. This recollection is very clear and very sharp, more like a snapshot than a memory. There is dust around the van's taillights. The license plate and the back windows are dirty. I registered these things with no thought that I had been in an accident or of anything else. It's a snapshot, that's all. I'm not thinking. My head has been swapped clean. There's another little break here.
Listening to audio won't Thanks get this thing. Having me on, you are. Well, yes, right, right. I know. I'm glad to be here as your co-host again. Thank you oh, very nice. much, Mike Spiegelman. I am this Mike Spiegelman and Carl. And let me just hog up some time. Don't forget to donate to Mutiny Radio. Absolutely, we are rec- actually streaming right now on Mutiny Radio, and we stream first every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're out from San Francisco. And you can find us uh, at our podcast at L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T and our YouTube channel with video right now, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. But donate to Mutiny Radio. Go to Venmo and give them some money at Mutiny Radio. Radio. Their website is mutinyradio.fm. There's another donation button. And you can listen to all the great shows and read about the live comedy here at Mutiny Radio. We're on Mini Radio, Carl. We watch a full-length movie every week on YouTube. Uh, great premise. Great premise, right? Do we rip along as the movie goes? Yes. Yeah, so I built these robots because I am uh, lost in space and I'm forced to watch bad movies. <laughs> yeah, and you know that show, Mystery Science Theater 3? Th- yeah, it's nothing like that. Yeah. Nothing like it's that. No, nothing no, 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 no. like that. Carl, what movie are we watching today? Today we are watching... As time goes by, 1988. As time goes As by, time 1988. As time goes by. How can you right. say that title without hearing the that song from Casablanca? Well, that's true. Absolutely. And look, everyone at home who's going to watch this movie w- with us, you must remember this. It's go As time goes by, 1988. The channel we like is, it's all one word, so it... It's not friendly to your eye, but it's Hey Do Radio. Hey Do Radio. H-D-O. How do you spell Do? D O E. All right. Hey Do Radio is hosting as time goes by from 1988. Yes. A, a current movie for us. A 1988. Yeah. Type in as time goes by 1988. You'll find the link courtesy of Hey Do D O E Radio. Click it. Hit pause. Move it back to zero zero zero. When you hear go, we're all going to hit play, and we're going to watch this movie on YouTube together. So you could listen to us streaming live and watching the YouTube channel right now live. You can listen to the podcast and DYI it at your own convenience, or just go to the YouTube channel, and Carl already synced it for you. Right. Carl, I'm really excited that there's a celebrity comedian to do our countdown for our movie. Take it away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Scott! Welcome, Scott! How you doing? 
All right. Now, Scott, you are a comedian out there on the scene. I'm seeing you come up. We're coming up together. Seeing you at open mics. I'm seeing you at shows. The first thing I want to ask is you've only got one name. This is very peculiar just to go by Scott. How did that start? How did you make that change? You know what? I am not really sure, but there was a great comedian that I used to watch when I did the stand-up comedy. His name he went by Carl. So <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if that stuck or I just uh, came up with it on my own. I really mm-hmm. don't know. It, well, it's a very interesting concept. It's almost unheard of. This is the first time I ever bumped into it. So kudos to you. It's a very common name, Scott, and you'll distinguish yourself by not having a last name. It's a good idea. Learn from the best. Now, the second thing I wanted to bring up is your material, okay? You are very wife-centric, very wife-centric, and it's not in a positive light. So how do you really arrive at this from a life frustration? Is she in the room? And how does this play out in your personal life with her? Well, she's not too far. I believe she might be in the shower, so... I'm safe for at least a couple minutes. Um, well, you know what? Obviously, everything I say is not a hundred percent true, but she definitely gives me this the, the springboard to uh, make those jokes and continuously, I might add, day to day. <laughs> always so, new material. Uh, always giving me new material. <laughs> For sure. Tell me more, though. Does she is she aware of this? Is it on her radar? How does she feel about it? Has she seen you do wife jokes? Yes, and she um, she came actually the one time I actually took the uh, comedy class at uh, Scotty's, and um, she did come to the graduation, and that was about the last time. Um, yeah, she she doesn't particularly care for me doing wife jokes, and I explained to her that it's not a hundred percent about her and. When I do tell her jokes, she goes, that's not how it happened. I said, exactly. I said, because <laughs> I, I take the story and then I switch it around a little bit. Right. Um, but still not really happy because she's like, well, people don't know what the real story is. And I said, well, most people don't even really know me or you, but that answer <laughs> is good enough. Well, you know, I had the same thing with my wife. Now, I'm not like you in terms of it being like a uh, part of your persona, practically, you know, but I do have many wife jokes and they're not favorable. So I made up a fake name. Her name is Cynthia when I'm on stage. So it's a fake name. Have you thought of something like that? Namer, Gladys? I did. No, but you know what? Here's the truth of the matter. I would really like to get away from wife jokes. It just just seems so easy because it's so there. But I do feel Uh this, especially for like, starting comedians when you have something that's so easy because comedy is all about timing and being able to get up there and speak comfortably and that is like the easiest thing for me to do so maybe Mm -hmm. in time i will move away which i am actually trying to do as we speak so okay they just keep popping into my head as (laughs) the days go on so we'll see what happens well, you got to write from what you know, and you're certainly doing that. That is for sure. Now, exactly. let, you, you are a very fresh comedian, new comedian. I mean, you're taking the class. Maybe we're talking about two years here, something like that. What do you – I, t- I took the class, and it was, it was two years, three months uh, – three years, three months. It was October when I first started. Then I took a complete huh. year off 
uh, during a pandemic, wasn't allowed out of the house more or less. Gotcha. But um, yes, so, um, so so we'll say a little bit over two years with a long yep. break. Very different than other comedians, and this is one thing that distinguishes you. You have a catchphrase already after such a short time. Get the fuck out yes. of here. Now, this is very Italian, but I don't think you're Italian. I'm not. Um, I, I grew up in Bayonne, and I went to college in Staten Island. I was going to say Staten, Italy. So very Italian, four years there. So um, you just soak so, you know, it up. I, I, Exactly. So I always had, and people always thought I was Italian. So, and Italian people were cool, you know. So, you know, there's not many cool <laughs> Jewish people walking around. So, um, <laughs> so uh, you know, and, and it wasn't even to try to be Italian. It was just, it was just, I started doing stuff. And like I said, things just come into my head. Um, mm -hmm. And like, I'll, I'll take, I'll go from one bit to the next because something will pop into my head and it kind of just, things just fall into my lap, actually. So that kind of, you know, fell into my lap. That, yeah. And then how people liked it and started set? saying it, so it kind of worked. Yeah, that's how you end every set. It's exactly. time for me to, let me hear you right. say it. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> now, that's what happened was actually, I didn't even try to do it, like people, because I would say it in my bits, and then people started saying, get the fuck out of here. And then when they started saying that, that's when I was like, you know what? I'll end it in my bit. Yeah, that's perfect. Very good. Very crafty. Okay, now, Scott, everyone at home is poised to watch this movie with us, so everyone at home has got to press play at the exact same time that we do here in the studio. That's what you're here for, Scott. So why don't you go ahead, Scott, and give us that celebrity comedian countdown. Three, two, one, go. Thank you, Celebrity Comedian Countdown. I appreciate that. I haven't listened to it, but Carl, you do all the hard, heavy lifting here. Yeah. Speaking of heavy I'm lifting. I'm sure it's very good. I just haven't recorded it yet. <laughs> now, in truth, I found a, there's a character in here named Connie, and there's a woman on Facebook it, it, with the, the actress's name. So I reached out to her to see if she would do the countdown. We'll see. Oh, that's exciting. So maybe we just heard that interview. Yes, I know, right? Right. We don't know. Only the audience knows. They know better than us. Ah, Marcel. Marcel okay. Schmitz. And she's going to play a woman named Connie in this film. And it's a pretty important role. And so I reached out to her and I was like, Hi, my name's Carolyn. Do you pranking? <laughs> I have a podcast. That's like a radio. <laughs> it's like a radio station, but you bypass all the professionalism. <laughs> we went long before we do a thing that... I don't know. It looks like she's doing well. She's very much into horses. She's clearly there still are, in Australia. A lot of politics. Sounds good. Now, not this a lot. Not a lot. You know, when I was in high school, I had a part-time job collecting skulls in the Outback. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not Out, Outback restaurant, money. not Australia. When you live at home with your parents, it's okay that it's not good money, and you do get good tips, you know. And so the neighborhood appreciates, because otherwise the skulls just pile up. <laughs> <laughs> I I used to bury them in our backyard, but the dog kept doing skullduggery, and he would oh find skullduggery, them. the worst kind of skullduggery. <laughs> he would find them, digging them up. Okay, as you can guess, we're in the Australian outback, 
And as you look at the locations in this film, it's Australia, Australia, Australia. And then they film this one scene in Australia. So Broken Hill is what we're looking at, I believe. New South Wales, Australia. They're going to be in a studio in Melbourne. Um, there's a town called Silverton that was apparently in Mad Max 2. They'll be oh. there. Mad look, Max coming, Mike. Look, from the sky, something's coming. Is it a diner? No, it's low-budget effects. Yes, it is a diner, Mike. You know this? Just from the movie poster. This movie just cries. Here's a movie poster. Now we got to run and get the premise ready, right? Because something's going to fling off the ship. See this important? Yes. Yeah, this is the thing that, like, powers the ship. It's going to fling off. Is he? He's not going to go and touch it and then goo gets on him, is he? He can't go... no, 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 that's not going to happen. Oh, look at that. Boom! Look at these bad effects. It's a fireworks. It's fireworks. Another spirit Halloween store opened up. <laughs> we got some spotlights out. Yeah. Okay, no. More bad effects are coming. More special bad effects. Stand okay, out. I'm on there. A diner has landed, and now it just starts randomly blowing up with fireworks. Oh, that's uh, Pucus Arts, I believe, uh, did the uh, special effects. <laughs> yeah, they films. did the Beatles, Rolls Royce, and they did, they were a collective, and they did this crap. Oh, man. So I always think of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre every time I see teens in a van. doesn't matter what country. You know, I never saw that. Of course, I saw Egghead. What was it called? Egghead? Oh, Eggshells, Toby Hooper's previous film. Yeah, More that arty. was really fun. We did that on this show. You yeah. know, there's just a bunch of teens in a van, and they see some guy, and they condescend to him, and, they, oh, they pick up a hitchhiker. That's the classic horror. Yeah, that's right. They pick up a hitchhiker. Now, these are three teens in a van, or maybe 20s, I don't know, but they're Australian. That's the difference. Right. And Mike, Mike is sitting there in the driver's seat, and he has brought him all this way to go to the Inland Sea. And that's a funny Australian joke because it's a dried up seabed that used to be in the center of, you know, so if it's the Inland Sea. So as soon as Grouchy finds out, see, this is Grouchy in the front seat. And that's right. Cheryl. Cheryl is a hippie and she's having past life experiences. And uh, Grouchy's just grouchy. So he's like, if there's no such thing as the endless sea, fuck this thing. And she kicks Mike out. Now, so this is the movie poster that I saw. Mike is a surfer with a surfboard. And mm-hmm. the movie poster I saw is the Outback. And there's a surfer with a surfboard, which is crazy. crazy. The Outback. And talking about crazy, there was a 1940s diner on the poster. That's all I know about that this movie. That is crazy. So this is pretty crazy, Carl. Walking around with your surfboard in the outback? Yeah, speaking of the surfboard, here it comes. Now, in truth, we will only see about two seconds of surfing in this film. Does he put it down or something? Like he goes in a diner and puts down a surfboard? The surfboard is not really going to play into this movie the way the poster implies. I think they were just trying to show you a joke. Right. That you can't surf in the desert. Yeah. Okay, so Mike, you see, Mike is on his way there because he got a note. He got a note like 20 years ago that said, meet uh, Joe Bogart 
at this address, at this location, you know, in 20 years. It's this crazy thing. So he's got his note and he's doing what he was, you know, he's going to go meet this stranger. Okay, so uh, that's cool that you pointed that out because I just thought that ladies just kicked him out of the van and he's astray, but he's actually going to a location. Right. He needed a ride there, so he tricked Grouchy uh, into going Cheryl. to the Inland Sea. Well, Cheryl is in the back seat, and Cheryl's uh, the chick. Okay, if you don't want me to call her Grouchy, her name is... You can call her Grouchy. She was, you know... Uh, her name in the film is Marjorie, and she's an actress named Christine Coeg. She's really Irish, and she's only got three credits. Her 1994 was her last credit. But throughout this movie, she just is grouchy, I'm telling you. Now, isn't it ironic that you're sunbathing in the outback <laughs> with your San Francisco yeah. hat? When the car comes, right, when the car comes, turn up the sound. His okay. hat says San Francisco? Yeah, that's uh, the Niners, right? Or, oh, okay. okay. I, I get the teams mixed up. Not the Giants. Yeah, SF. Yeah, 49ers, right, right. look at that. Why didn't I notice that? This is the fourth time I'm looking at this thing. So technically, this is a San Francisco movie. I suppose. <laughs> All right, I got a full volume here in the studio. No, but it's really when... Is something, something... Okay, do do? I'm behind you. This sucks. The joke is, he pulls up and he's like, have you seen such and such? And the guy goes, no. And then he starts driving away, but he's right, still so standing in the desert. What's your time I'm stamp? 7.57. Okay. I'm, I'm not using my faithful PlayStation 4 today. Yeah. What's your time stamp now? 8.12. Thank you. I'm with you. Okay. Man. All right. So they're in the van. Right. Look at that Niners hat. Gold. Look at that gold rim in the back. That's so cool. <laughs> I've never seen a hat like that. And I've, trust me, you know, in San Francisco, everyone wears their sports colors. Everyone. Everyone wears yeah. their sports teams yeah. stuff. Not everyone here, but we got a lot of that too. Teams are a big, big deal. A big deal. How much do you think that sets you back, like to, to be a faithful fan? Well, um, I guess. It. Around two hundred fifty dollars, let's say. Like you have the yeah. jacket, you have the hat, you've got a pin, a pin, a pennant, you know, blah blah blah. Okay, so look, yeah, he picks up this guy, sort of saves him, picks him up. His name is Ryder. Turns out he's a cop, and unbeknownst to Mike, he's about to be in the middle of a shootout. What the fuck? Oh right, he brought him in a ride, ride along. It's yeah, ironic it because his name is Ryder, but he he actually is the driver. <laughs> I guess so. Tag along. What was it? Ride along. Ride along. Ride along. Ride oh. You remember Ice Cube? Kevin Shea? No. Not I Kevin never Shea. Paid Kevin Shea is a comedian I know. Oh, okay. Kevin Hart. Oh, I what? 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 There was a movie called Ride Along where. Oh, yes. I saw Ride Along. Okay. I saw no, Ride what... Along 2. Yeah, right. right. This is Ride Along 3. Rider literally <laughs> Rider. takes him. I'll pick you up from the outback, but let's go. Uh, okay, so the cop gets out of the car and he begins to fire at this crazy oh. militant. This is like Mad no, Maxi. No, he. Uh, well, it's that's just a coincidence. It's really 
they're not Mad Maxi. There's nothing okay. steampunk about them or whatever. A little steampunky. Well, because they're but but this is steampunk pump punk adapted this from. They just meant it as motorcycle riders. Oh, the goggles. Sometimes yeah. goggles are just goggles. Is what right, right. Aesthetic to it. They weren't going for steampunk. They were. Steampunk. Hey, I like I like your Harley Davidson uh, aesthetic. What are you talking about? I, I like your sports team aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> he just coincidentally is wearing a. That's like me wearing like an no, Australian look, look, team. It's a clue. It's a clue. Yes, yeah, great. It's poison. He's still going to burn it. He's going to burn this whole place because he's going to destroy the poison. You see, we don't know it yet, but uh, there's like some people who have been killing sheep, and he's a cop and he's investigating, but he's like an outback cop. So he just. That's the crime, poisoning sheep? Yes. It's got to be something like rival farmers or something, you see. You know, I know from watching Mad Max, gasoline, you can't really waste it like that in the outback. <laughs> This was shot in 1987, released, you know. Yeah. Now, it will deal with time travel, but most all of it is in 1987. Oh, to go back to that year, graduate college, high school, I mean. This is like a video store movie then. Well, yeah, this never made it onto DVD. This is a VHS copy we're watching, and later you'll see glitches. You see, they spent almost 700000 dollars on this film and i think that's australian dollars but they only made like 10 grand of australian dollars oh what a bummer yeah this was a um okay here's connie and i'm instant messaged her on facebook we would be delighted if you would we'll see if she bites i hope so okay so Connie knows Ryder, all right? And Connie keeps on referring to Mike as Blondie over here, you know, because he's some hitchhiker. He goes, right. my name's Mike. I'm oh, Mike. No, I'm Mo my name. Mike. Connie Stanton. This is the Connie's home. That's a cool home. Yeah. Used to be now, Howard Johnson. Now, why is Mike with them? Because Mike has nowhere to go, and they know it. He's Does like, he have his what? surfboard with him at least? Yeah, yeah, it's in the back of uh, right. Mike's, Mike's little Jeep here. So eventually they're going to go to the diner. Yep, yep, yep. All right, I'm ready. Here, a couple well, beers. Yeah, it's, um, what's the, tr Foster's. <laughs> there was an Australian comic at the Cove. I think his name's Eric Lydon, and uh -huh. he was making fun of it. We don't drink your, we, we don't drink Foster's because we think it's shit. He goes, we drank Budweiser. <laughs> what you blokes think is shit. That's really funny. Yeah. So now they're, like, we're finding out, like, Connie and Ryder are great, great friends, and they work together a little bit. And, you know, he's a cop, and Mike is there for, um, you know, he's talking about surfing on the coast, and you know about surfing, and right now he's looking him up. But anyway. He looks like Robert Davi. 
By the way, he's totally bald. And because he wears the hat the whole time, I missed that the first time around. The second time I saw this film, his hat was off, and I was like, whoa, dude. Claire. <laughs> yeah, get a get a, get a, a toupee or something, because wow, dude. That's so cruel. Do you think the crew is like, hey, can you put your hat on? <laughs> I'm trying to light the scene. You see, this is 1987. If this was shot in 1997, then Ryder could have been bald. Just a hundred percent shaven, and he right. would look cool like Bruce. Maybe, Willis. maybe he'll have a cool Australian goatee with the bald shaved, or maybe a neck beard, cool Australian neck yes. beard. Now, one thing I really liked about this film is like Mike just coincidentally happens to know all sorts of stuff about engines, just because any Australian would, you know. Now, uh, Ryder's very suspicious of Mike. But Ryder's going to get his hand stuck in the machine, and Mike is going to save him. And that will be the first time that Ryder's like, maybe it explodes, yeah. all right? But on the other hand, maybe he's not. Yeah, the hand that didn't get stuck is still <laughs> suspicious. On one hand, I'm glad uh, Mike's here. On the other hand, who cares? Now, later we'll have a call back to this scene. And when Good. he comes back, he'll say, Mind your hand, mate. <laughs> and so he won't get his hand. No, I okay. don't have the volume hand on, stuff. and I've never seen this movie, but it looks like Mike did that intentionally. Uh, no. no. He turned he, it on. At, at the request of Ryder. He's fixing uh, the, fixing his, me truck won't work. That's what Connie was all talking about. See, so see, he Ryder. saved him. Yeah. See what you have done. It took me so long to figure out that song. I thought it was C period, C period rider, like some dude. I didn't realize oh Elvis was telling the, the horseback rider. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis. Elvis. I had no idea it was Mrs. Cece. Cece, right. You're right, Mrs. Cece. Why would anyone want a po poison sheep? Now, there's this whole thing about poisoning sheep. There he's bald. You see, how did I miss that the first time I ever watched it? Wow. Right, there he is, bald. On the cell phone game or something? You think you were on your cell phone at the time? I guess maybe because <laughs> I only ever saw he it with the You can see the reflection off the bottles of his head. Now, Connie and Mike clearly are attracted to each other. And Ryder doesn't like it, but not from jealousy. He's not interested in Connie. But he doesn't super not like it. It, like, irks him. And it'll never play out and develop into anything in the plot, although it's totally implied in this scene and a few more coming. Yeah. Like, when he was getting out of the car, he said to Mike, you mind yourself around Connie, right? You know. Yeah, look at that eye. So, <laughs> right now... Connie's like, such and such. And he goes, Ryder goes, but you are going to help me tomorrow, Connie. You promise. And he goes, I'm very busy. But he goes, Mike can do it. Now he's paired up with Mike. But Mike did just rescue his hand. So he's like, all right. He trusts him a little bit. It's kind of weird how he's just fallen into their lives. They don't say, what are your plans? Now, he said, I've got this note. Here, turn it up. This okay. is when he's going to talk about it. By the way, are we doing a, a, a not a kill count, but a beer count? How many times they drink beer? Because it's the third time. It's her third beer. I'm doing a Connie beer count. Okay. It's her third beer in this movie.
Yeah, so yes. You can't really hear, can you? Oh, no, no, because of their accents, I don't understand a word of it. Okay, very funny. Okay, so audience, what happens here is he's really explaining the, the backstory of are we underwater? I'm, I'm playing it. <laughs> you, you think the video is the only thing muddled in this in this copy? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> ah, fuck it. You oh, I'm know. sorry, man. He gets, I'm more, to... he gets it. There's some funny stuff, but that's okay. We'll catch the next thing. What is you your number I'll... count? Australian humor is like so dry to me. Like I could not understand the subtlety of Barry Humphreys. What is what is your time count? Okay. Eighteen fifty six. Okay. He's at a fire and she's like See, her uh, foot's in the she's having past life experiences. Is she really? Turn it up, turn it up. Okay. He's Cheryl, Grouchy. Well, the funny stuff is her, like, past life experience stuff. So we'll see it next. Okay, now they're in a room. The Her father passed away, and he was a cricketer. Cricketeer? Cricketer? This film... What? He was one of three cricketeers. The three cricketeers. Now, this film was originally titled "The Cricketeer," cricketeer, because it was about a uh, the a film started as a story about a mythical cricketeer in outback Australia. The Robert Redford film "The Natural" seems to have been the inspiration. Whoa! So it went from the natural ripoff to a time traveling outback <laughs> adventure. Yeah, and the thing is, the the script was pretty. Uh, the script is pretty tight. I don't know how they switched it up in the middle. They must have had all the time so, travel stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that was the the concept of this. So film. now Mike is bumping into a scrapbook in which we're going to learn this backstory that Ryder killed his son by mistake. He was playing a cricket game and he hit the. The cricket ball hit him in his chest, and he killed his own son by mistake. It was it was son slaughter. I can't believe he's reading it out loud. Well, you know, he, we are listening, so. And also, I can't believe Ryder has a scrapbook of the time he killed his baby with a cricket ball. Somehow, Connie is in Ryder's life. I don't get how. Maybe he's an uncle. So well, now there's flashback. Ryder. He's a tortured soul. He killed his own son. No, he's a rough and tough cop in the outback where nobody, you know, he doesn't know a lot of people, you know. Oh, a diner! Rock and roll. Wait, is this a flashback? No, this is the diner closing for the night. We were hearing a crowd uh, of diner people, a uh, bar people. Do you remember in the movie Easy Money, Joe Pesci and Rodney Dangerfield got so high that they had to eat something but not the wedding cake in the back of their van? They pull up to a diner and it, the lights go out and the diner says open 23 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to see that film again because I remember loving it. Well, they wind up eating the wedding cake, of course. <laughs> <laughs>
Dingo. Dingo. That's did where he's Dingo. supposed to meet. Wait, did the Dingo kill his baby? Population 20. No, he killed the baby. Yeah, uh, that's what he, when he hit the kid with the baseball and he goes, oh, uh, Dingo kill baby. Dingo. It's not a baseball. It's a cricket. Don't you know how the game plays? Cricket ball. You want to play grasshopper? I mean, I mean, cricket. cricket. Hello. It's American right. football. Now okay. he's going to go into the store, uh, and we're going to meet a not funny guy who's going to do this up? not funny thing about how much he hates dust. Go ahead if you want. It's yeah, not a funny thing. So he thinks that like this dust mite is dust. He's like all wrong, and he's going to get straightened out later when this professor type shows up. He has a picture of a dust mite above his produce. Yes. Now, that sounds funny on paper, but believe me, this guy does not pull it off. So Ryder has sent him here. You remember that that piece of the poison label that he found? Yeah, that's he right. I remember that. Oh, he's so going he to wants... the local emporium. Right. Trace this. Who bought this? Where was it purchased? You know, from your store or whatever. That's cool. I didn't realize this is a procedural. Now think about how wild west it is, right? The cop doesn't do it. He sends some kid he just met from right. hitchhiking. It is wild westy. Punk okay, rock. so there's a company called Valhalla Presents, and they had a like a string of cinemas. And they made a bunch of films. Now, the guy who directed this name is Barry Peak, and the guy who produced it, his name is Chris Keeley. Or okay. it's Kylie, but I think it's I Keeley. saw Kylie, yeah. So it's K-I-E, just like in your name, Spiegelman. It's E sound. Keeley. If this is German-derived, I don't know. So anyway, they made a film, Future Schlock. They made huh. a film called Channel Chaos that they hated, so they didn't release it. They made The Big Hurt, and they made this as time goes by. And this was the final film. Wow. So I they had the a big good easy. run of making some money, but this yeah. film didn't work. Funny they had a disowner film. The Big Hurt. I, I prefer The Big Easy, Carl. Uh-huh. That's right. It was easier. Yeah. Didn't hurt as much. It was more of an escapist film than The Big Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I got dust. They go blah 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 blah. Oh wait. Oh yeah. There's the dust. Fucking ouch. Dust times hundred thousand magnification. You think he was like a good television actor who just got himself a role? Uh, well. No. Okay. His Don't name is John Bridges, and um, he was a the dust obsessed outback storekeeper. Born in 1950 in Melbourne. Uh, he's known for three. But look, look how current this is. Troll Bridge, 2019. I mean, he's still wow. out there doing it. Judy and Punch, 2019. Oh, I know that movie. 2021. You do? Judy and Punch, yeah. Yeah. I, I got to put. I got to remember to watch that movie. I wanted to see it. Instead of Punch and Judy, it's Judy and Punch. Very funny. Let me try to look that up, too. Judy and Punch, 2019. We're, we're, I'm getting it off a title. Okay, so now he shouldn't walk in there. 
Well, he's a cop. Who's, oh. I know, I know, but he's got his balls about him. So he oh, goes. So in... should we say privates? <laughs> now what's that, Mike? That's the poison. It is. Now here comes a guy in spurs. Right, Wild this West. L. J. Weston, and he'll play heavily into our film. L. J. Weston. Look, he tracks weather. So it is a Western. It's a Western. Yeah. Weston. Weston. L.J. Weston. The actor's name is Ray Barrett, and he had a little bit of fame, but as you might imagine, we wouldn't relate to any of it because it's all in Australia, and he was in the troubleshooters in England from 65 to 71. Oh, man. He was, you know... Oh, he was the first actor put under contract for Australian Broadcasting Corporation drama selection. What? What? I'll tell you how I found this film. I found it purely through YouTube. I was looking uh-huh. for films, and this popped up, and I looked up it up on IMDb, and I saw the poster as well, and I said, oh, this sounds cool. Let's do it. Yeah. You're also hitting me up. I had to get, I had to get a something in but this one looks well and this is a good film uh in the end um oh. it's done well and it's a good choice it doesn't fit with your theme of um i don't have a theme of bad movies of, yes you do you <laughs> read about them when they were, you were young and you couldn't see them and you always remember yeah. them. but now thanks to youtube <laughs> well to be honest this, this movie came out during our youth in 88 and uh it was definitely like to be accessible in the United States, this definitely had to been a video cassette. Right. This was never released theatrically in the U.S. And the video release, I think I have it here. Oh, yeah, only on VHS. But what year was it? 1989. This right. was out on VHS. But I don't think it was bought in the American market. The film was never distributed there. Crazy. I guess I don't know about the VHS. Maybe it was. I I had mentioned uh, there's a documentary on the Australian exploitation film industry called uh, "Not Not from Hollywood," uh-huh. where where they discuss how like Barry's Humphreys and Mad Max generated this this maverick industry. industry. Yeah, and they would make these crazy exploitation films. We actually this was right before you joined the show, Carl, but. We watched an early one, which is no longer on YouTube, called uh-huh. Turkey Shoot, which okay. was kind of like a battle royale, and it included a werewolf eat, who eats toes. And in the documentary, they're like, yeah, that was a low point. But, you know, they were just, anything goes in these films. They would should shoot I see the... Turkey Shoot? Yeah. Maybe should we should, I... well, let's see if Turkey Shoot's on. At the end of the show, I'll see if Turkey Shoot's on, and then we'll do it as a future episode. Okay. We already have a movie pick for next week. See so... If the okay. audience would like to know, you have to watch, listen to our show, and then we'll mention it at the end. Yeah, for the big reveal. Everyone's on the edge of our seat. I'm, they're writing about us on the Huffington Post. Oh, on the HuffPo? So is this Thelma and Louise, you, uh, Aussie no. version? No. No. Grouchy no, is Grouchy and past life experiences lady. Oh, their van broke down. What is this? Yeah, their uh, men broke down, and they're not going to be able to get out of there for a while. And that's how they're going to fit into our plot. Now, this guy is crazy scientist guy. Somehow, he found out that there's aliens here. This is Weston. No, 
No, this is a guy named James McCauley, which is a boring name for a film. And um, he's like an alien-obsessed mad professor type. He has some awful job at a tracking station, and this is his way to get famous, is to find an alien. So he'll be set up as our bad guy. Gotcha. Uh... Okay. Now, this is the guy we saw in the beginning of the film who saw right. the spaceship crash. He's finally approaching it? Yes. He, he's going to go up to it. He's going to hear the sounds of a crowd inside, and then he's going to run away scared. He's seeing it for the first time. Oh, I would definitely pull from my bottle on that one. As a squeak, professional squeak, 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 doctor. Squeak. As a professional doctor. Nobody will get that but you and me. It looks closed. Budweiser. Oh, exotic beer. You love and you. We don't drink Folsters, mate, because we think it's shit. We drink Budweiser. Which you think is shite. Right, shite. Oh my god, this background sound effect noise is playing. Oh, well. This isn't skull drinkery. I'm not having a drink. Right. I'm here to do some skull duggery. Okay, now, for the first time. We see his uh, shirt okay, off. Right. Now, even though his shirt off is off like that and he looks like that, she's still interested. It's, you know, there wasn't a lot of people to pick from. Uh, I, I, all right, Carl. Yeah, I guess you're picky, right? What? He has, he has pointy elbows, huh? <laughs> Yeah, like there's no definition. Like there's no fat, but at the same time, I don't see abs. This is a guy who hasn't done a crunch in his life. Yeah, right, yeah, throw away. And those, oh, the bottom of his ribs, gross. I can right. think about what a skeleton looks like. You're killing me. <laughs> I wish but I looked doesn't good. care, and Connie's going to kiss him right now. Okay, come on, come right, on. Get ready, come on. Kiss already. All right, the flies are not in your face. Now, kiss. in Australia, this guy was very famous, okay? This guy, his name is, uh, his name is Nick Needles, and it's N-I-Q-U-E. So it's like Nicky Needles or something. Cool. He was in The Boy Who Had Everything, Kimono, Shout, The Story of Johnny O'Keefe. We wouldn't know this stuff, but she would. So she was kissing a famous person. If she will do the interview with me, one of the things I'm going to ask her was, how exciting was it to kiss Nikki Needles? Come on now, come on. Tell, bear all, bear all. Oh, look at that, the picture, the ghosts in the picture. Yeah, that's why I was saying, like, this is a pretty good film. Like, they really tried hard, and I don't know, it's... It, it isn't pretty, but we're watching a VH copy, VHS copy. I'm sure it looks gorgeous, this sunset. Probably. And, yeah. And all the outback desert sure. scenes, you know. The blooming onions. <laughs> yeah. That's where the blooming onions are grown. They, they aborigines chop them and make machetes and harvest the blooming onions. Look how that, I don't know if that's honest. Look how low that, that moon cannot be that big. No, I'm sure they got the right angle, and I'm sure the original shot had it not cropped either. 
Now, she is not wearing a top, but we really don't get to see anything. We certainly okay. don't see Ariola. But I had my fingers crossed. And the thing is, every time I watch this film, I cried really hard. But no, no. <laughs> not topless. Oh, see? Oh, see? Yeah, she, yeah, she threw that in there. Perfect. You tried it, really hard. It's 100% covered, and she did it in a flash. Perfect. So your problem with this guy is that he's too easy on your eyes. He's too easy on your eyes. I don't really have – okay, did you almost see it? Oh, her elbow right. caught it, and then the blanket caught it. I really don't have a problem with him. I was just trying to make you laugh. No, now, no, you did. You did. He pulls out the – you know, he's going to say, like, what's this story? <laughs> he killed his son. And she's oh like, my God. And she's like, color. don't bring it up to him. You know, he's very sensitive. But the very next scene we see, he's going to bring it up to him. You just had sex. Hey, <laughs> is it true your roommate killed his baby? What a buzzkill. See, he hurt his hand from the accident. Oh, it was recent. Well, he was, you know, he was helping him fix the. Yeah, end. right. Oh, his hand. That's right. On the other hand. I liked it. He goes, can you fix the engine? And he, and Mike was like, sure. Like, he just happens to know how to fix an engine. Everyone, everyone from then would. Yeah, right. He goes, well, I didn't know, know you were a cop. In Road Warrior, they all had to learn how to uh, build engines. Yes, they did. Yeah. Or take prisoner people who did know how. I'm sorry, I meant Mad Max 2. Did I say Road Warrior? I meant to say uh, Mad it's, um, Max. Thunderdome. That's Mad Max 3. Oh, oh, oh. You see, in Europe, the Road Warrior was a sequel to a very popular film that wasn't was a more of a cult film in the United States. Uh-huh. Should I see so, it? It's called The Road Warrior. You, you've already seen it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. They I've named seen it all the, Road the Mad Warrior. Max film, so I guess I did. You saw the last one, right? From with Formosa. I don't know. It had a uh, blood bags. Oh, yeah, with um, sh he, it, uh, yeah, her. Charisse Theron. Uh -huh. Yeah, it was terrible, terrible, awful. You don't think it was the best movie of twenty tens? I don't know. I don't All think right. it was a good movie. Interesting. And I don't believe her as that tough character, and 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 and. and. Ah, uh, is he okay, looking for well, a diner? Here's our professor, and he's going to lie that he's looking for meteorites. Okay, oh, no. Why don't you listen this time? Their interaction's a little funny, especially when he shows him not a, that's not dust. There's no incidences here. This, this is okay funny. It reminds me of uh, that Mick Jagger movie we watched where he goes into the Brazilian store to tell him Mick that. Jagger. Yeah. And he's right. like, oh, Julio Iglesias? He's like, no, Mick Jagger. Oh, Julio Iglesias. Turn it up, turn it up. It's a louse? So he's like finds out that he's got the story wrong about dust. 
but he made posters and all that shit. Yeah, and he, you know, he thought Dust was the louses. And he finds out, like, Dust is particulate matter, pet dander, human flakes of skin. It, it is microscopic, but it's not. Oh, no, alas, poor Skull uh, Oric. Oh, he's up. Alas, poor Oric. Oric. Yurik. Yurik. I knew him. I, uh, clearly, I knew, I knew him. him Horatio. I knew him. How can you tell it's Horatio? From his skull tattoo, it's still on there. His head tattoo. Face so tattoo. he mentioned Joe Bogart, the, the drifter guy, you know, the skull collector guy, was like, oh, and it was a, and it came down, and then Joe Bogart. And so Mike, that's who gave him the letter, Joe Bogart, goes, what did you say, Joe? I can't believe we're a half hour into this film and you haven't done a Bogart joke. The, okay, this Joe Bogart character doesn't really speak. He uses, like, old movie phrases. Really? I think we can turn the sound up for this entire scene. Okay. Now, I told you this film was good, and this is one of the reasons. This is one of the scenes. Blink, blink, blink. So he speaks in movie phrases. Yeah, you see how he's connected to the ship? Yeah. Nice sound effect to it. Now keep this sound up because you didn't hear it before because you wandered off. He's going to say the movie phrase. It really is extremely popular in, in uh, Australia, by the way. I don't like it if you don't like my manners, and I don't like them myself. I think he's about to marks right now. So can I tell you how 80s this movie is with the sense of irony about the previous generation and, yes. you know, it's pop culture influence, and then he regurgitates it, and that's ironic? Yeah, and we're, it's always like 20 years prior or 30 years prior, and you've yeah, made that note before. But it's also like at the 80s, people were looking at a lot of stuff from the 50s and, you know, the movies from the 40s yes, and stuff. Yes. And putting it in a new context. Oh, Carl, oh, I should plug well, look, something from the, the yeah. story about how the power capsule fell off. And he wants Mike to go get it, essentially. Jesus, does, can Mike just surf? Must he fix everybody's shit? Well, he's got a letter that was 20, 25 years ago telling him to come here today. Now, to help out. We're, yeah, we're going to learn now about time travel. And I want you to not turn the sound off when we... Okay. Leave it, leave it. Leave it now? I got it. And then I can take a pee break, right? No, Mike. Another 
Okay, now. Now, he says he's from a constellation. Okay, look at the time. Okay. Crash. He's killing himself. This is crazy. Now it gets even worse. Check this out. <laughs> now look, he's got a little time thing, which is a shaker for a bar. Uh huh. And he turns it back a minute. We'll still have Paris. Everything is fine. It's a minute earlier. 10.25. A minute before everything went bad. My favorite judge back in one piece. Your hand. Curiously unarmed. Curious. Okay. 10.26 again. Can't you tell that I'm joking? Now, you understand what happened before? No. They went back in time. A minute. This is pretty cool. Okay, they said... well, if I hadn't shown you that. Now he's going to tell him what he wants him to do. Secret. I've been here before. Here in a vessel. Same time. Same place. Now, does that make sense? This is in the future. I'm trying to process it. Oh, okay. You can turn this sound off now. So now he, he's going to get his first lead on this meteorite, which is really an alien ship. That guy over there goes, it fell from the sky. This is a little funny because he's insulting them right to their face for being like hayseeds and primitive. You know, he's from the coast. He's flying like right. Sydney, Sydney or Melbourne. Now, the woman sitting there is going to get mad at him and punch him in the face. This happens, so it's like a New Jersey bar. I guess, yes. So they're going like, you like science? You should see J.L. Weston. He tracks the weather, he does. Now, there he hears, it fell from the sky. Oh, perfect. What now a coincidence. Out cold. Out cold. Is he drinking a beer now? Yeah, Budweiser. Okay, so Mike's on four drinks. Oh, okay, okay. You're doing the beer count. So, okay, Connie's not the one to count. Mike is would be okay. There's less beer than you think, but maybe I'm, I didn't pay attention. Well, I mean, they had a beer when they got to the house. They had a beer over dinner. Uh, they had another beer now mm -hmm. he's having a Budweiser here so that's four yeah so now it's essentially I got to get my ship mobile again but I can't do it until I get my whammy jammy thing so I want you to go out there and get my whammy jammy thing I like this diner there's like seats for two and that's it <laughs> so he says that the last time he was here he was 
he helped them in Los Alamos with the atom bomb, the Manhattan Project. Yeah. Oh, yeah, missing all his uh... banter. Uh, and then later, Cheryl will say, I saw him in Los Alamos at Joe Bogart's diner or bar. Maybe it's bar. I guess they're in a bar, not a diner. Uh, yeah, that could be a grill. A bar and grill? Yeah, you never see a grill alone. There's always a bar and a grill. Right. I guess a restaurant is a grill. Joe's Grill. Joe's Grill. And bar. Joe would be like, no, it's Joe's Bar and Grill. So now he just gave him a note. It's a little map that it's drawn where the power thing is. But it's in the handwriting, although we don't know it yet, of Ryder. Oh, really? Yeah, and now he's telling him, look out for J.L. Weston. He might try to kill you, kid. Just like he tried to kill Ryder or something like that. That's but he's warning him against J.L. Weston. He'll try to kill you. This is crazy. Maybe I should listen. I want to be alone. Yeah. He's great walking around that room with the wire attached to him. The camera yeah, got like it all. His name is Joe Bogart in this film, and in real life, he's Max Gillis. Now, again, he's got he's on all these kind of credits, but we wouldn't appreciate them. Yeah, Blue Healers in '94, Dick Down Under in '75, Stork in '71. He's a founding member of the 1970s experimental theater company, the Australian Performing Group. Now, if you and I grew up in Australia, we'd go, whoa, blimey. Yeah, blue. <laughs> Crikey. I would, yeah, it's I would drop my blooming onion. It's yeah. that guy from the experimental theater. Oh, he's guided, Joey. Oh, look, there it is. Here. King of Gears. Oh, 